Welcome to the Danish National Biobank podcast. My name is Christian Bjorn Hansen, and I have been your host in this podcast series. This last year, we've tried to paint a picture of the role and value of biobanking in modern research schemes by letting our brilliant collaborators explain their projects, show off their merits, and to some extent our own. In this year's last episode, we will give biobanking itself and the future perspectives surrounding it the full attention. Inspired by our recent PhD course and symposium, Future of Biobanking, and with the help of biobanking expert, Eva Ortega Paino. Okay. Welcome, Eva. Um, Will you start by uh, introducing yourself? You know, your your name, your background, and your your present roles. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Eva Ortega Paino. I'm originally from Spain, but I came here to Scandinavia um, in 2002 to do my post-doc- postdoctoral training in um, at the immunology department at Lund University. Um, I was working in Sweden for, well, between Sweden and Norway for the last 17 years, uh, running all kinds of projects from cancer to innovation projects for a national uh, infrastructure called Sui Life, and also working for BBMRI at the time. That was um, the um, biomolecular, biobanking and biomolecular resources infrastructure of Sweden. Uh, then in the last uh, two years, this infrastructure changed to something called Biobank Sweden. And I was working as a proof uh, sample service coordinator, that is a proof service coordinator for the southern part, the southern region uh, of uh, Sweden. So after these 17 years, I was offered to take over the position at the national, Spanish National Cancer uh, Research Center Biobank. Uh, and all, it was a quite tough decision to take because I was already living and enjoying in Scandinavia, but it, it was the chance to go back home and get this huge challenge. So now I'm the scientific director of the Biobank uh, at this uh, research cancer center. Right. Yeah, and uh, you've also run one of the f- few international university courses on, in biobanking. Uh, yeah. For, for years, right, at, at Lund University. And, uh, uh, yes, like, like you said, a leading role in uh, coordinating a biobank network in Sweden and other merits. Uh, and also now uh, you've been running a, a PhD course and a symposium on, on biobanking and, and biobanking of the future uh, in collaboration with the, the Danish National Biobank and, and others. Uh, I feel it's safe to say that you're an expert uh, on biobanking. Well, I, w- I would like to be a little bit more modest. I mean, they are incredibly fantastic biobankers and experts here in Scandinavia, so I should be humble. But at least I had the chance to learn from them. Uh, so if I got 10% of the, what they taught, to me, I think I'm a good uh, uh, asset to the Spanish landscape. But yes, as you said, I mean, this, this project of teaching and running symposia 
about biobanking started in 2014 uh, when I was uh, uh, working as a um, uh, coordinator for the service center in the southern part of Sweden belonging to BBMRI Sweden that unfortunately I think that you don't have this uh, uh, network here in Denmark. You're not a member of uh, BBMRI, the BBMRI network. But anyhow, we started there and then uh, uh, I was thinking as a biobank more than a storage room. I was thinking all, I'm trying to put all the stakeholders that uh, make a biobank together. Uh, for this reason, uh, I happened to meet a lawyer who told me that something was going on similar here at uh, Copenhagen University, that it was a sociologist called Aratupasela, that he was also running PhD courses uh, for biobanking. So we thought, like, well, we are neighbors, we are close by, although it's a little bit of a, a funny situation because it was a Finn running across in Denmark and it was a Spaniard running across in, in Sweden. So we were introduced to each other and then the following year, 2015, we started to work together, uh, joining both universities with this common goal. And since then it's been a marvelous experience. But um, this year, for reasons, life reasons, uh, Aro moved back to Finland and I moved, as I mentioned before, to Spain. And then this course that was already international, if you consider that was Denmark and Sweden, it became even more international because now we're four partners, five, if you consider that is the Danish National Biobank, Copenhagen University, Helsinki University, and also the Spanish National Cancer Research Center. So I think that we have a solid team to provide education and knowledge, not only to future biobankers that, of course, they, they need to get also the training, but also to researchers to know how to use these samples and put them and give them the right value that they have. What is biobanking? How, how would you define it uh, if you were going to explain it to someone who hadn't ever heard of it? Well, first of all, I mean, after working in, in, in this field for so many years, I'm not so sure if I like even the word, to be honest. Because when you talk about banks, it has a negative meaning in itself. You know, for everything goes with the capitalism and money. And, but, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know if I would say more like... A, before it was called biorepository, but let's go to the biobank. For the law, every single country has the word biobank defined in their ways, uh, uh, covering their own laws. But I would say that is any sample from any origin, I mean, like human or microorganism, plants, animals, that is stored and it has data associated to the sample. So... The sample itself alone means nothing. So according to the Swedish law, they put another two steps more that it has to be stored for more than two months and it has to be traceable back to its origin, to the patient in case of the human samples. Uh, for me, I mean, it's a whole discussion now in the world that we live in. If the sample itself is a biobank stored in the freezer or if it's shifting to the information that is linked to the sample. So I think that we could put it all together. But I wouldn't say that is the sample and the data. There's also patience, there's also thoughts, hopes, integrity. It's also taking care of all the information that this uh, um, 
the, these samples uh, keep in itself to give, as I said, the right value to them to return to the society that finally is our goal. It's just to answer the main question, depending on which kind of biobank you're dealing with, but the main question is why people get sick when others don't. And with this collection and, and amount of samples that we store, where we are going to provide these hopes to these patients and also to the society to live better and increase their quality of life. Right. Um, yeah. Well, you, you find the, the word to be banked, to be like kind of ominous or something. I, I, I always thought of it as a referring to the value that something you need to keep safe in this uh, podcast. I, I've been also calling it uh, like a science treasury, meaning well, a, a, a treasure vault, I guess. Uh, for me, I mean, when I was, when I started, I mean, uh, to work in biobanks, um, I mean, I had this little motto that it says, biobank is the only bank when your deposit is priceless. And it's true. Is the only biobank when your deposit is priceless. I mean, it means so much, so much for the individual that provides the sample to, to the biobank, so much for the biobanker who takes care of these samples like if they were little treasures, and so much for the researchers who is going to obtain this sample to solve different diseases or problems uh, for the patient that, again, comes and receives the value of all this chain that is called translational chain in medicine. Right. What is the most important thing to understand about biobanking? I mean, for the population and for emerging researchers. I'm, I'm guessing that's not necessarily the same thing. I mean, I think it's important to understand the concept. I mean, why do we need, um, why we need biobanks? I mean, and for me, why we need, well, of course, this has to be translated in the language that the society understands. So it is very important to incorporate, in, to my knowledge, and also is something that I really, is, is a kind of crusade as well for me to incorporate the patients into the whole landscape because they, they need to understand what is going on with their samples, why we follow the, the, the system that we follow and how it's all organized. So going back to your question, the society needs to know, and especially living in this Western society, based in welfare, that we are a part of this big a society that is going, that yourself is going to revert to the rest. So it's, it's important to understand that biobanks are crucial for high quality research. I mean, you need to keep all the samples standardized and harmonized so you avoid, when you run projects, the big projects, you avoid the lack of standardization that can lead to compare apples with pears. You have to be, uh, keep all this to, to show and to prove to the society that all the information if is, is, is safe, that uh, no one is going to access, because there is a big fear that anyone, for insurance reasons, they, they can access all the information that is uh, stored in the, in the genes, in, in, in the form of DNA. We have to make them believe that this is protected and is a good return 
for the health care and for the good quality of life of all the individuals. It will return to the society, to all individuals, increasing our quality of life mainly. So I think that we are all part of this big picture that will improve health in the future for, for all of us. Right. And for emerging researchers, what, what do they need to know? <laughs> well, I think they need to know that many funding agencies in the future won't work with samples that they don't have the mark of uh, quality. And this quality stamp is provided by biobanks because biobanks has uh, astringent, well-characterized samples, traced, well-stored, following uh, standard operating procedures. So they need to know that it will be a point of return that you have to work with these kind of samples because it's also a trade of a mark of quality. So I need, I think that we need to uh, communicate to the whole uh, bunch of its stakeholders and work together with them to put in value what a biobank means in the whole change uh, from the extraction from the blood to translational to medicines, translational uh, medicine, yeah. Okay. Um, I guess really shortly, because it's probably a long story, but can you take us back to the beginning of the story of biobanking? How, uh, when did it uh, become a concept and, and how did it uh, evolve into the, like this research infrastructure that it is today? Well, but there is, I mean, for years and years, people has been storing samples. But I mean, I would say, and now I'm, uh, it comes to the pride of being a Spaniard, that the first uh, coal biobank of the world was in, it was made by a Canadian, uh, Bethune, in 1936, uh, during the civil, the Spanish Civil War. And it was the first blood transfusion biobank, the first blood biobank. I, I, I also know that you have uh, also tissue, well, blood is a tissue, but you have tissue collections here in Denmark also from 1923. But uh, if you talk about biobank in the sense of collecting samples as such, I think they've been collecting samples uh, for investigating a long time ago. But as, as a such biobank, I think I would say that the first one was in Madrid during the Civil War. Now, the, tra the trajectory here, Scandinavia has a great tra uh, trajectory in biobanking because you have uh, the gold mine that is the registers as well. With your system, you link the personal number with everything. So you have beautiful registers that can be linked to the samples. And especially here in Denmark, when the system is slightly different, you can claim also that you have this marvelous national cohort. So the story about BBMRI Eric, I think, uh, started more or less the same as BBMRI uh, Sweden when they were organized as a big network. And now uh, BBMRI Eric has, I think, is 19 full members and four observers and also the cancer ERC, the cancer association. So the trajectory has been quite fast if you compare in time, but I think it's been a fast development because the need of having all these samples well-preserved, harmonized and standardized and open to the use to researchers. Because biobanks is not only the quality of the samples, it's also quantity. And it's quantity if we talk about, for, for example, something like rare diseases, where the incidence is very low and then you need 
international collaborations to get the uh, enough number of samples to run a project. Mm. So uh, if we move uh, on uh, to today, uh, how important is the role of biobanks in life science research? I mean, for me, I mean, if you ask me that question, I would say that I wouldn't trust anything at all. But I'm, I'm working with biobanks. But I think, I think it's the, the key point. I mean, I would say I would put it in the middle of uh, any scientific project that needs a, a, good number of samples for epidemiology, for example, you need biobanks. For uh, project research, as uh, we saw during these days, uh, that uh, we had in our symposium represented at least three Scandinavian biobanks. That was Karolinska Institute by Mike Darvis, uh, and we have the Hand Biobank, represented also by Christian Ekvem and you guys here at the Danish National Biobank, with at least three or four different big projects that exactly showed why we need to work with biobanks. Why is it so important to have a store these valuable samples that are, I mean, it's unthinkable to, be, to, 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 to think that we are not going to give them value just from the first source, that is when I insist the patient is looking for answers. So you have samples stored since, the, I, I believe, the 40s, 50s at least, Serum, because you work at the Serum Institute from nearly all individuals. So you have an important source of material that can provide answers in the, in the short, medium or long term to the society. And if you look at international research, is it getting the uh, attention it deserves? And I guess, uh, does it live up to its potential as it is today? I want to believe that it's getting better and better. I mean, there are several uh, European and international organizations uh, taking care of the of the biobank issue, as ISBER, the international organization, ESBB, also BBMRI-ERIC, that is taking care. And I, I think that it's, it's getting into the point that everyone sees the, the value and the importance of using and, and exploiting the biobanks because it's an absolutely necessary source of material for quality research. But we haven't reached the, the full potential yet. No, I don't think so. I think it needs a lot to, to, to develop as well. But that's why it's very good to have these kind of meetings when we can put in common uh, where are we and where we can go to, where are we leading to. And that was the topic. Uh, during all these years, we had several topics. First year was uh, biobanks in the era of uh, personalized medicine. The second year was uh, biobanks and big data. Third year was the triple helix of biobanking and so on. And this year, we were talking about the future of biobanking. So how, how do we think uh, that biobanking will show in the future and the role of biobanking in the future for all this uh, world of personalized medicine and precision diagnostics. How does that look to you? What, what major changes uh, will we see? 
Well, one of the major changes is try to convince also the funding agency that biobanking is a crucial point in this chain. So because as Mark Diver uh, said, uh, the um, investment, the funding is, is criminal. Now, this very, it's very difficult to get uh, biobanks funding. Maybe because uh, one of the points is how sustainable a biobank is. So there are several topics that need to be addressed. Sustainability. Uh, I think we need to increase the trust also from uh, uh, the population to make them understand that everything is well protected and that they are going to get a benefit out of it. Uh, I think we talk also about artificial intelligence. We talk about all the settings, but as you know also, one thing about the future, I don't know when you were young and we were thinking about these years that we also eat uh, flying instead of driving cars and listen, nothing has changed much. But I really hope that putting all the sources together now, all the stakeholders together and giving the right value to the meaning of biobanking just disseminating to, to the public and also to researchers how important is that altogether put Biobank in the center of uh, precision uh, medicine and, uh, and uh, precision medicine, personalized medicine and uh, precision diagnostics that will improve definitely without any doubt the health uh, of the uh, individuals in the future. As you say, it's it's hard to predict the future, but what's like the most obvious change that's coming right around the corner? Is there anything that comes to mind? Well, I think the opportunities are an endless. I mean, uh, but it's such a complicated uh, question because, I mean, now we, I mean, it's the biobank uh, legislation is different in every single country. Some countries can transfer material and data. Some others can only transfer material. Some others cannot transfer at all. So uh, in some countries, the legislation is to be changed, but that moves slower that the speed of science. So we have always different uh, bottlenecks. Uh, but on the other hand, I mean, that's why I, th I think it's important also to work in this consortium way to find out how we can overcome, overpass, overcome all these difficulties. Uh, the possibilities of all we have in store, uh, they are marvelous. But we need to find our ways to, to, to solve all these differences. And as I said, in the European framework, every single country has different rules regarding this topic. And also, I mean, solve all these legal, ethical, and societal questions that come. Uh, regarding uh, the topic of biobanking, and is they are crucial uh, and quite difficult in many many cases. So the symposium um, concluded with a roundtable discussion, yeah. and one of the points that I I noticed really had a resonance with with all participants was this having a closer connection with the the populations and the, with the public, and and uh, the challenge of uh, showing the, the um, uh, research steps that are made with the help of biobanks are leading somewhere important. I mean, uh, 
How do, do you agree with that? Absolutely. I think it's so important to revert. I mean, to it's so important to communicate to the society what, what the things that we do. It's important because finally they are the source. I mean, the society needs biobanks, but biobanks needs the society uh, to give answers. So I think it's super important to give back. I mean, to, to provide back everything that we get from the samples to communicate our findings. Uh, also, I mean, something that we were talking uh, also about, about the symposium is uh, the consent. Uh, for example, with the patient's consent, here you have another system, but in many cases, they don't read so many pages. It's the same as what we consent on the internet without reading. So it's important also to have a fluent communication between uh, the experts and, and the patient to and make them understand what is going on. But uh, then we discuss also about this dynamic consent, just to report back what is going on with their samples and give them also the chance to to opt out if they don't want to keep uh, belonging to Biobank or any of the projects, uh, research projects. So I think it should be a tight communication between all the stakeholders. And when I talk about the stakeholders, I put also the patients and the society within. I think uh, I'm very satisfied. Are you? <laughs> well, I always try to uh, end the, the interview with the last question. Do you have something you would like to add? Do you think uh, anything you, you think needs mentioning? Yeah, but I would like to, I mean, of course, I'm a fully convinced. Uh, for me, it's also a crusade. Biobank says uh, means law because... Uh, uh, Yeah, uh, my, my husband passed away, and uh, and I remember when he he was a cancer patient, when he was providing these samples, thinking that one day this his sample will revert also in some findings to cure other people. He didn't manage, but uh, I think it's good that we store all these beautiful, valuable samples, and of course, give them the right value. It's very important that these samples are used. And they need to be shared within the scientific community. And then we have to report back to the patients that we are using the samples and there will be a brighter future outside there for all of us. Thank you. My pleasure. We manage. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next year with more research insights and stories from our freezers. Meanwhile, be sure to check out the new biobanking specials, key talks from our symposium, Future of Biobanking at Medican Village in Lund.